This episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Reliably low prices, all the parts car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Tell them that Locked On sent you. Your Locked On Maple Leafs. Your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's Brother from TSN's Overdrive. Hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and review as well. That would be much, much appreciated. Okay, so we've got uh, we've got a, a different type of show today. I brought on two guests to chat in two different segments. So first, we're going to be joined by Ian McLaren from Lockdown Bruins. Uh, the Maple Leafs dipping into the second wave market of free agency. They pluck Nick Ritchie and Andre Kasha off of the free agent market, both of which, though, spending the last couple of seasons in Boston uh, after a trade coming from Anaheim. So we're going to chat to Ian McLaren and get the get the feel about what the Leafs can expect with Nick Ritchie and Andre Kasha. Ritchie signing a two-year deal at two and a half million bucks. Kasha one year at one point two five. I think Ritchie's got a little bit more of of uh, punch to him. Six foot two, two hundred and thirty pounds, coming off a career. High of thir- uh, fifteen goals. Sorry, through the fifty-six games this season, and of course. Former player of the Sioux St. Marie Greyhounds. Yes, he was traded for one final run in his overage year in 14-15. And, uh, of course, that was uh, that was the year uh, where, you know, Dubas and, and um, Sheldon Keefe were at the helm of the Sioux. Michael Bunting was a teammate with him, as well as a young Mac Hollowell, actually. So three players from that uh, 14-15 team now with the Maple Leafs. And then Andre Kasha, uh, as we will will chat about it a little bit more with Ian, but get him on a super discount deal at $1.25 million. Because he's extremely injury prone. Uh, over the last two seasons, he's only been able to play in. Well, he, since the last year's trade deadline, he only played three games this year, and then played just six regular season games with Boston. Did get into eleven playoff games through the bubble, but uh, in total, you know, a couple of injuries, including some some pretty big, uh, you know, concussion history with Kasha, is the reason why you know you were able to take a gamble and get him so cheap. But some very high upside here on this signing. So we'll chat with Ian McLaren about that. And then later on, we're actually going to have a discussion with Joe DiBiase from Locked On Sabres. If you recall, it was about a week ago or so that I was I brought up a it was a TSN article that was written by Travis Yost about the potential trade blockbuster deal between the Leafs and Sabres. It didn't include Jack Eichel. It actually included Rasmus Dahlin. And from the Leafs, it centered around Mitch Marner. So I wanted to bring that up to Joe and see what his thoughts were on that deal because he actually didn't read that piece. And I thought his his, his thoughts on that were really interesting. So we'll play that a little bit later. But for now, let's head off to Boston and catch up with Ian McLaren from Locked on Bruins. Ian, how are you, pal? Not too much. How are you doing tonight, Mike? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Uh, it's the off season officially officially here now. 
Like, do you feel yes. like it's been just a wild schedule? And the fact that we're not even getting to like off season mode until August is just so strange. Yeah, usually it's yeah, July first is uh, free agency, and then kind of dies down a couple of days later, and then a long period of time off until until training camp. And now, yeah, we just have to to get through this month of August, and then things all things will pick right back up. So it's a yeah, a short window for sure. Yeah, and you know you talked about free agency. We're about a week out of free agency, and both our teams, realistically, the Leafs and the Bruins, uh, pretty active in free agency. I want to ask you about a couple of players that the Maple Leafs signed uh, that kind of crossed over enemy lines from Boston to Toronto now, and that's Nick Ritchie and Andre Kasha. Let's start with Nick Ritchie um, coming off a career year in Boston, fifteen goals. You know, what exactly should Leafs fans be expecting in Nick Ritchie? I mean, yeah, Nick Ritchie, uh, he got off to a bit of a rocky start upon his arrival a couple of seasons ago. Uh, didn't really find uh, find his place and in the bubble. He was kind of maybe expected to or acted, you know, like the kind of the tough guy enforcer that that many people have seen. But this past season, he really found uh, his scoring touch, like you said, a career-high 15 goals in only 56 games. Uh, he chipped in on the power play. Um, mind you, that was all pretty much before the arrival of Taylor Hall. Once that came about, uh, he was bumped down the depth chart a bit on the left side. Didn't quite get as much uh, power play opportunities. Um, so, yeah, it's it was kind of a, an up and down season for him that way, and you know that was why the Bruins ultimately made the decision not to qualify him, uh, allowing him to become an unrestricted free agent. I think there probably was some appetite there to to bring him back, maybe uh yeah on a similar deal than what he signed with the Maple Leafs, or perhaps a bit less, uh, but. They decided to go a different direction, uh, but for what he can bring to Toronto, you know, I think uh, he'll be he'll be pretty jazzed to to play for his quote unquote hometown team. He, he's from just outside Toronto, uh, obviously, and um, you know, I've seen some indications on Twitter that you know maybe he could push for a top six role. I think that is probably a little generous. Uh, I wouldn't quite think he's at that level. Uh, but you know, if he's penciled in as kind of a, a third line left winger, uh, who can chip in the odd goal, uh, he can play the power play in a pinch, you know, that net front presence on the power play, uh, bring some physicality when necessary, uh, drop the gloves at times as well. Uh, but yeah, I think kind of in that, you know, 30 to 35 point range is, is kind of where he, uh, would likely fit in and if he's asked to play top six minutes for a team with as much talent as toronto then uh something something's probably off a bit with uh with the guys that are in the mix there <laughs> well i'll i'll tell you what the left side looks like right now because we lost zach hyman and then right. you know nick felino was the player that we acquired to you know, fill that role in the second line at the deadline last year, and he's no longer part of the situation either. So there yep. is a massive hole in the top six 
on the left side. And the thought process is that Nick Ritchie is going to come in and compete for one of those roles. But the Leafs don't need Nick Ritchie to be an, an all-star. They don't need him to drive play himself. What they need this guy to do is to to use his frame, his 6'2", 230-pound frame, to go into the corners, get pucks, and fish it out for the guys like Nylander or uh, Marner or Tavares or Matthews. Can he at least play that puck retrieval role? Because um, that's really what he'd be asked to do if played in the top six for the Maple Leafs. Yeah, I mean, sure, he had he has the size certainly to play that role. I don't know if he's gonna, you know, beat anybody in a in a foot race to the corner to retrieve the puck. Uh, he's not the the fleetest of foot, I guess, but <laughs> yeah, he certainly has the size. He was given that opportunity with the Bruins, and like I said, he was kind of bumped from top six consideration once once mm-hmm. Taylor Hall came to town. Um, yeah, I think his his kind of sweet spot is that third line um left hand shot but yeah if he's if he's playing with guys that are as talented as as what the Leafs have in the top six I, I'm sure he won't uh you know I don't want to say drag them down too much but he should be able to um he should be able to thrive I mean anybody should be able to thrive in that in that kind of situation uh he'd certainly be set up for success um yeah whether he's able to, do that consistently for an 82 game season uh that remains to be seen but but he certainly has the potential he was uh you know picked top 10 in, in 2014 uh and he has you know he has a decent enough shot he can definitely beat guys uh in the corners uh like i said maybe not to the corners but uh <laughs> yeah the the pen, the potential is there for him to be a a complimentary top 6 player but but he's not going to drive uh, drive anything. Um, that's that's for sure. What are like some things about Nick Ritchie that you would say are are uh, like some negatives to his game? What what's the downside of Nick Ritchie's game when he's not he's not having a good night? What are you usually seeing out of him? I mean, one of the first things that that we saw in Boston was certainly uh, taking bad penalties yeah. uh, at inopportune times. He he does have that physical edge to him and he can uh, get a bit carried away. Uh, I mean, one of our first impressions uh, was in the bubble and in the series against Tampa Bay, uh, he took a, a five minute major at a very bad time. And that really yeah. sunk them in that particular game. Uh, I, I will say he did uh, show a bit more restraint this past season, although he did have, you know, 121 uh, oh, sorry. He had 37 penalty minutes this past season, so didn't drop the gloves as much, was a bit more uh, disciplined. And I think that came from, uh, like I said earlier, not trying to do too much to make a good impression, not trying to be a, a big bad Bruin per se, but <laughs> just kind of, uh, yeah, finding his role, being more comfortable, uh, picking his spots. Um, so that's one thing, uh, that lack of discipline at times, and also uh, like I said before, just he's not the fastest guy in the world. Yeah, um, he will uh, at times get beat. Um, uh, certainly uh, in the in the defensive zone if he, if he's trying to get back, and uh, you know he won't necessarily uh, try to keep up on any odd man <laughs> rushes per se, uh, especially if he's playing with some of Toronto's speedier speedier guys up front. 
Yeah, I, I kind of anticipate him playing in, in that top six role, and, and the, a big reason why is because Sheldon Keefe has preached a lot that the third line wants to be a true shutdown defensive line, mm, right? right. And, and I, I don't envision Nick Ritchie playing that type of role. He's got the body, but that just isn't really what we've seen out of Nick Ritchie. And like you said, right. well, not, not the fastest guy on skates, and maybe that's not quite his role. But if he can go up, I mean... Joe Thornton at the age of what forty one last <laughs> yeah. year was playing on a line. Slow Joe playing on a line yeah. with Marner and, and Matthews. I think Nick Gritchie will be fine. Like he'll be. Yeah, he's to... uh, he's definitely an upgrade. Uh, yeah. when it comes... No, all, all due respect to Joe, he's one of my favorite favorites of all time. But yeah, yeah he, Nick Gritchie will uh, you know just in his youthful exuberance and. Yeah, be an upgrade there for sure. Is Joe still a like a, a Bruin legend, or is there like some hate there with within Bruins Nation? Uh, I mean, he definitely the way his time ended in Boston. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of Bruins fans kind of had a a bad taste in their mouths. Although you know he had re-signed with the Bruins and they traded him shortly after he kind of recommitted. Um, for me. I always wish that that he had stuck around and had been a kind of a career Bruin, but uh, that trade really changed the trajectory of the team and, and his kind of uh, kind of distant uh, distant memories at this point. Yeah, there's I don't think there's really much uh, much in the way of bitterness on either side at this point. Yeah, I, I just randomly had that thought occur to me. I'm like, I wonder yeah. what, what what they still think about Joe back at Boston. Um, and also, just uh, just for those listening, Nick Ritchie, the contract was two years at $2.5 million per season. So uh, that's the deal for Nick Ritchie. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for your auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and to choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, price at Rock Auto are always reliably low and the same for the professionals as the do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or your truck and write Locked On on their How'd You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts a car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. They also made another signing, the Maple Leafs, picking up Andre Kasha, who had a short stint with the Boston Bruins. But what's unfortunate, and maybe you could speak to this a little more, Kasha, when he was traded to the Bruins a couple of years ago, was expected to be like a big piece coming over and and kind of reshaping like somewhat of a secondary core there in Boston, and it just didn't happen. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when he uh, was acquired, the uh, projection was that he would step onto the the second line alongside David Krejci and uh, Jake DeBrusque, who was the the second line left wing at that time, and really give Krejci uh, that long sought after scoring winger that that the Bruins had been lacking on the second line up to that point. Uh, they did have to to cough up a first round pick to the Ducks to acquire him, although that also helped them uh, dump David Backus's contract at, at the same time. Um, and unfortunately, yeah, it just never really happened for Kasha in, in Boston, uh, largely due to uh, his concussion uh, concussion issues. He had, uh, you know, he was injured 
on the first or second game last season, uh, uh, a concussion. He came back. He only lasted a period late in the in the season. And I will say when he was on the ice, he did look very good. I, I always wished and hoped that uh, it would have worked out. Uh, he's a, you know, a, a shot generating winger who can uh, really help with the possession game. And he, yeah, when he's healthy, he has the makings of a very high volume shooter who can find the back of the net uh, with, with regularity. Uh, but the trick is they're just remaining healthy and um, yeah, staying on the ice for, you know, a, a long period of time. So that, that will be the challenge there for sure. I, I was happy to see that he got an opportunity uh, with Toronto. I would have liked to have seen the Bruins kind of sign him to a, a low risk kind of bonus laden deal. Uh, but yeah, wishing him, wishing him all the best uh, in Toronto for sure. And just, I just hope that he can get back on the ice at some point uh, to be honest at this point. Yeah, and I think that's that's the biggest concern, and that's the biggest question mark to Andre Kasha. Like, the talent has kind of always been there. Uh, had a career-high 20 goals back in 2017-18 through uh, 66 games, and then followed that up with a heck of a start, 20 points through 30 games uh, with Anaheim, and then, again, getting injured uh, and only played 30 games that year, but still was on pace for, for, you know, almost 60 points that year. And then the following year, he gets flipped over to Boston where over the last couple of seasons, uh, just nine games in total, uh, including 11 playoff games last year for the Bruins. Um, when it comes to Andre Kasha, there has been, has this been a conversation? I feel like I've heard this before. I don't know if this was like an actual report or this is just, you know, conversations that happen between hockey people. But was there at one time a thought that Andre Kasha may have to retire due to lingering concussion issues here? I mean, there certainly was some concern after he attempted to come back later on this past season. Uh, Like I said, he was injured in the first or second game of the season. Uh, He was out for the entirety of the regular season. And then uh, it was thought that he was cleared to play and he was inserted into the lineup uh, on May 10th. Like I think that was a second or second to last game of the season. And he only lasted seven minutes in that one before he uh, had to leave that game. And I think that was the one point where uh People in Boston specifically began to, I don't think it was an actual report per se, or there was anything, you know, medical to it, but just looking at the situation, you haven't played in five months. uh, You're cleared to come back and, you know, a few shifts into the game, uh, you're out again with the same uh, issue with another concussion. So that kind of, uh, you know, Boston fans have, have seen, uh, seen it happen with Mark Savard back in the day. Brandon Carlo had the severe concussion issues this season as well. Uh, You just in the back of your mind, wonder whether or not it's sustainable and um, whether or not it's kind of worth putting your body through this, putting your, your brain through this. Um, But, you know, all indications were that he was cleared to play that, that he was healthy. He was good to go. And with head injuries, it's it's so tricky to say what 
um, what the outcome is going to be. Uh, they're so hard to, to gauge, so hard to, to diagnose, to track the progress of it. Um, and again, hopefully, hopefully he is able to, to get back on the ice. We have seen players in the past who have had concussion issues and, and they were able to kind of put them behind them and, and go on to have for sure. Well, you kind of cut out there at the end there, but, uh, that's just one more one more thing about Cashin, and I do want to ask you about your thoughts on the Bruins offseason uh, as well. But mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to to Andre Kasha, you know, like we we discussed prior, if he is healthy, like he can be like a a pretty valuable piece, and to get him at one point two five million, I think is a, a shrewd bet to make if you're Kyle Dubas, because if not. You know, you really you just you chuck them on uh, on LTI, or you can bury that contract, and it's not going right. zero dollars will go against the cap. So in terms of the dollar value, it's really good. But if he does play, um, it could be even better because I, I mean, like we said, there he's a promising player, just twenty five years old. Both these guys are are only twenty five years old, and you know, arguably in their prime of their career at this point. So based on your viewings of Kasha, which I, I guess is relatively low considering yeah. that he hasn't been able to stay on the ice with Boston. But if his injury history is behind him, kind of like the doctors are saying, um, what exactly would you say is the ceiling here for Andre Kasha with the Leafs? I mean, yeah, if he, uh, I would say that he more than Richie would be uh, an ideal candidate for kind of a top six role. I know they're, uh, the Leafs have more depth on the right side than the left side, but uh, you know, if he is healthy, if he is put in the right position with a kind of a playmaking center who can get him the puck, you know, I, I wouldn't say the sky's the limit per se, but he could in a full healthy season, he could easily challenge for, you know, a 30 goal, a 30 goal season, at least 25 goals. Uh, like you said, he hit a career high 20 in 66 games uh, just a few years ago. Uh, he can put the puck on net with, with great regularity. So if he, uh, yeah, can, can be on the ice for an extended period of time, uh, a full healthy season, say 82 games, uh, a 30 goal season is well within, uh, well within his reach, especially playing with the kind of guys that the, the Leafs have down the middle. Before I let you go, Ian, and, uh, chatting with Ian McLaren from Locked On Bruins, um, look. Boston back in the division now. We're going back to the regular division. So the Bruins go back to being enemy number one for Toronto. (laughs) But lots of turnover since last time these two clubs met uh, on both sides, really. We talked about some of the new additions for the Maple Leafs. What do you make of the teams, uh, you know, the Bruins free agency? I mean, Rask out, Krejci decides to to leave and retire and go play pro hockey back in uh, back in home. You know, you, you're replacing him with with Allmark. Nick Foligno comes to to Boston. I believe I saw Eric Halla also uh, signs with the Bruins. So, your thoughts of what uh, Don Sweeney's done in 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 Boston over the last week or so? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, there's been uh, a lot more turnover than I expected uh, this season. The um, the loss of David Krejci is is massive. That can't be understated at all. Uh, it was believed that he was kind of mulling over going home, whether or not he wanted to take another year or two with Boston. And the assumption was that with Taylor Hall re-signing, Krejci would want to 
at least play one more season after they had such great chemistry uh, last year. So that's going to be a really big hole to fill, uh, whether or not uh, Charlie Coyle can do it or a young guy like Jack Stanika can step in remains to be seen, or there still could be some moves up Don Sweeney's sleeve. If, if he decides to uh, trade a Jake DeBrusque say uh, for, for some help down the middle, uh, the additions of Felino, uh, Howla, uh, those are kind of to shore up the the depth in the bottom six. If if those guys are counted upon to play top six roles, and that's certainly not ideal. Uh, and then yeah, the uncertainty with Tuka Rask. He, he had off season uh, surgery, won't be ready to go until January. So they're kind of playing wait and see with his health uh, to see if he's up to coming back. Um, and then Allmark brought in uh, just as some insurance there in case Rask. Uh, isn't able to to resume his career or if he doesn't have the desire to which which would be fair as well um so yeah it's a, a lot of turnover um i think allmark could provide a, a pretty steady presence in net he played well for the sabers who have been you know abysmal the last couple of seasons he put up pretty respectable numbers with them and uh having said all that you know the the top line remains intact and um as they go, so do the Bruins. And, it, and if they're playing at a high level, then uh, it should be still a, a pretty competitive team and, and what's going to be a pretty loaded uh, Atlantic division next season for sure. It's it's going to be tough. Like it, it, you mm-hmm. get back to it, Tampa, they're going to try and run it back and do a three-peat. You know, yep. Boston, yes, you, they, they've lost a couple of pieces, but, uh, you know, adding Taylor Hall to, you know, in a full season I think is big. And uh, Allmark for Rask, I think, is a, it, it's a little bit of a downgrade, but I, I like Allmark mm-hmm. as well. But, I mean, Nick Foligno, still a, a heck of a middle six hockey player. Eric Hall, the same thing. I think Boston, uh, I liked what they did, unfortunately. I like what they <laughs> did over the course of free agency. Um, I, I, I really thought Foligno might come back to Toronto, too. And then I thought, okay, if he doesn't come back to Toronto, he'll probably go back with his brother in Minnesota. And, uh, nope, had to go to Boston. Boston. Yeah. Of all places, <laughs> had to go to Boston. But, oh, well. Uh, last question for you, Ian, and this is an insanely uh, selfish question that I have for you for fantasy purposes. Is Jeremy Swayman the real deal? I mean, I certainly hope so. Uh, <laughs> I have him in uh, two different keeper uh, fantasy hockey leagues, so I'm hoping that that uh, he certainly – pans out uh he looked amazing uh early on in his career uh with the trade of Dan Vladar to Calgary he certainly primed for at least a backup role to start uh this season uh and maybe even more of a a pivot with uh with Allmark uh but certainly yeah he has all the makings of a number one uh number one goalie and if his first handful of games in the NHL or any indication, then yeah, he, he certainly seems like, uh, like the next, uh, guy to carry the load for the Bruins and net for, for hopefully, uh, quite a while now. Yes. Jeremy Swayman, goaltender for the Boston Bruins. If you are in a, a dynasty league, uh, a yeah, keeper league, 
go take a peek, see if he's still a free agent. He may not be because, like you said, I think he had like a buck fifty goals against in his his like eight or nine games that he did play last year. He was yeah, really was really good. Um, so he might not even be there. But if he is, or if you're in a brand new dynasty league and you're you're you know doing drafts, which is should be coming up relatively soon, you would think in the next month or so. Um, Keep an eye out for Jeremy Swayman because I think he he's going to be a decent goaltending prospect uh, going forward. I think I also saw Dauber prospects might have him as the top goalie prospect for, uh, for right, fantasy yeah. purposes. Yeah, so. I was up. I was looking at the rankings, and he's the number one mm-hmm. fantasy goalie prospect for uh, yeah for fantasy hockey. So yeah, definitely worth grabbing. Hopefully, it's not too late. I, I was glad I grabbed him at the beginning of last year mm-hmm. and, and didn't wait to try to grab him this year. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, all right, Ian, I really appreciate you hopping on and, and taking the time to chat about these guys uh, with me today and, and chat about the Bruins outlook. And, well, we'll be we'll be chatting a little bit more this season than we did last year with this, sure. the, the, the divisions going back to uh, back to the original uh, the original way that it was prior to the pandemic. So I'm sure we'll be chatting again down the road uh, when the Leafs and Bruins face off against one another. I think, actually, we, we finish up the season against each other, do we not? Oh, wow. Uh, I, I haven't so. looked at the schedule that closely, but yeah. The, I believe I the mean, Leafs do. At back the very, to divisional yeah. uh, matchups, it'll be quite uh, quite often for sure. So, yeah, looking forward to it. All right, Ian. Appreciate it so much. That's Ian McLaren from Locked on Bruins. You can check him out on Twitter at Ian McLaren. Ian, thanks so much for joining me. No problem. Thanks so much, Mike. Take care. All right. Uh, coming up next, I have uh, I, I, I remember a week ago, and if you didn't listen to this podcast, about a week or so ago, I chatted. There was a an article on TSN.ca written by Travis Yost, and he proposed a massive blockbuster deal involving Rasmus Dahlin and Mitch Marner. And I thought it was it was interesting. It definitely caught my attention, uh, and, and I took a read of it. And I, it wasn't a, a one for one thing, and it was more of a hey, this is you know a frame work of like the two top players that could be involved in this deal but anyways uh, so go listen to that podcast if you'd like to hear my full thoughts on that but I did eventually uh, end up getting a hold of locked on Sabres host Joe DiBiase to get his thoughts on that potential blockbuster so coming up next we'll bring Joe in and he'll give his thoughts on the possible uh, Rasmus Dahlin for Mitch Marner trade and we'll do that when we return here on the locked on lease podcast Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on your sports action. The NHL playoffs are in full swing, and you can track all the action at betonline.ag. Get all the latest news, odds, and info on your sports needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action, and more. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website and use your mobile device to sign in today. Use a promo code locked on and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's promo code locked on for 50% off your first deposit at betonline.ag. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. 
All right, Mike DiStefano from Locked On Leafs, Joe DiBiase from Locked On Sabres. Little mini crossover edition of Locked On Sabres and Locked On Leafs here. We host the Locked On NHL podcast on Tuesdays, and we were running out of time on the Locked On NHL show, but Mike has a really good uh, potential or trade idea that uh, came from a guy at TSN uh, that involves the Leafs and the Sabres. So we're going to throw that into our podcast here. Like, okay, who, who was the guy at TSN that did this? And then what is the deal? So Travis Yost is the, is the writer. Oh, I love Travis. Yeah, exactly. That's why I was surprised that you didn't, uh, you didn't see the deal. Maybe you did and you just aren't remembering, but probably. Yeah. But uh, so the deal that he's proposing is a massive blockbuster between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Buffalo Sabres. And I said, I need to get Joe's opinion on this. Uh, So the deal is, it's not necessarily like a full deal, but he has a framework on what the deal to surround around. So it is Rasmus Dahlin heading north to the Toronto Maple Leafs and heading south would be Mitch Marner. Your thoughts? Oh, man. Um, it might sound easier than it is from the Buffalo end. I would still do it, but man, Darlene really like, I think Ralph Kruger really clouded his first couple of years, like a half of his career so far, because Kruger just did not know how to use the player. I mean, he had him standing on the blue line, didn't let him jump up into plays, didn't let him, you know, carry the puck through the neutral zone on rushes. It was always get the puck and get it off your stick as quick as possible. And once Kruger left, we saw the guy that we thought we were getting when we drafted him. Like, this is one of the best defensemen that has been drafted in in a decade. But I would do it because even Darlene has done it on such a limited sample size that even though I believe he'll reach that ultimate ceiling that he had for himself, there's not enough sample size to know that he's going to do it. And Marner to me is one of the best wingers in hockey. And I don't even think it's, it's a discussion. Like he just is, he's the elite winger in the national hockey league. Um, So I would do that deal even with the, the salary too, by the way, because the Sabres are Sabres, by the way, 16 million under the cap floor. And that's before an Eichel trade. I mean, they're going to have to spend money somewhere anyway. So the money is fine yeah. for me on Buffalo's end. So I would do that trade. Maybe it's a lot easier of an answer for you, but um, it's yeah. it's not a blowout for me, but I would say yes. It's definitely not an easy answer from this okay. perspective either, right? Like when you're looking at these two players, as of now, Darlene is still like a projection, right? He hasn't turned into that superstar defenseman that he was expected to be. He still very well could. He's still young. I believe, what, 21 years old? Like, there's still time for him to to reach that potential. But when you're trading away a, like you said, top three winger in the NHL, can you really make that deal and just hope and pray that Darlene actually gets there? Because if he doesn't, and he's just like, you know, a middling top pair guy. Like, I mean, middling is a weird word to use for a top pair guy. But like, if he turns out to be, you know, a more reliable Morgan Riley, was that trade worth it? You know, like, it, it was that really worth it? Like, would I trade him for, like, if he turns into, I don't know, maybe like a Jacob Slavin or something like, like, is that worth it to move on from Mitch Marner? Granted, the cap savings that Toronto would get. So it's basically $11 million in cap savings. And that's the, I think the big 
argument in this deal is you move on from him. You bring in Darlene, who he's an RFA, correct? He needs a contract this summer. Yes. Yep. So what's that number going to look like? Do you think? I it, I think a bridge deal makes more sense for him because I, I thought compa- so- around like I thought something like a bridge deal, like three times five and a half, three times six. Yep. Sounds about likely. Would you say? Yeah, we were debating the other day, actually, if we would sign him to eight years, seven million, because it comes in a lot lower than Kale McCarr and Miro Heiskanen signed for. And for good reason, because Darlene has not proven as much as those two yet. Right. But the reason you might do it now at eight years is if he continues along the track he was on at the second half of last year and a year from now, he is in the same territory as those guys. Well, then you have an insanely valuable contract for for a long time now i don't th- i don't think dalene and his agent would sign that deal though so maybe it's almost not worth talking about because if i'm dalene and his agent i'm betting on myself and i want that bridge deal right now uh, that that yeah that that's what i think would end up happening as well that's what i thought too uh so when i was looking into the whole cap savings i i put the figure at about 6 million. So about 5 million in cap savings. Now, I don't know if this would be a one for one deal. There may need to be some, some other moves in here to kind of even things out a little bit. Maybe I don't know which on which side and how it would happen. But um, if you open up an extra 5 million, I mean, now you have two options. If you're the Maple Leafs, well, since you've got a number one left side defenseman in Rasmus Dahlin, now you can actually maybe think about moving on from Morgan Riley and move his contract. Who's a pending UFA and you might not have enough money to, to, to extend him anyways, and you can move him and you can pick up a top end winger as well to replace Marner. Plus you've got that extra money that maybe now you can dip heavily into the goaltending market and get a stud goaltender or another uh, big time defender. It just opens up and gives the Leafs so much more flexibility from a cap perspective. But then again, it comes back to you're giving up a proven legit superstar in this league for a guy who is likely to get there, but might not. And it would be a massive gamble from a Toronto end there. All right, so that does it for that conversation. Marner for Darlene, both sides, a little skeptical on making that deal. And again, I do not think this deal is going to happen. I do not think that this deal is being talked about or nothing. It was just an uh, an interesting offseason. Hey, would this work out for both sides? Let's get crazy type of conversation. But I did want to chat with Joe and be like, hey, what do you think from a Buffalo perspective of this deal? So now we have our answer. Both sides, a little skeptical on making that deal. Uh, that's going to do it for me here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked on Leafs podcast on all podcast platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Locked on Leafs. I'll be back with another episode uh, tomorrow or later in this week. And just a reminder, we're back down to, to uh, three episodes a week for the month of August and then right back to daily five-day coverage uh, five days a week coverage again in uh, we'll be starting about mid-September when training camp starts we'll be starting back up for that but I do have a special guest coming on uh, the next show which should be tomorrow 
um, for you guys listening to this at this point. Uh, but we do have a special guest coming on. It's going to be uh, Chris Peters, who is a prospect um, prospect guy, NHL draft and prospect analyst. He is the editor of Hockey Sense, uh, host of Talking Hockey Sense podcast, formerly of ESPN, CBS Sports, and uh, of USA Hockey as well. So, um, you know, Chris Peters, big-time prospect guy. And he's going to join us, and he's going to talk a little bit about what three Maple Leafs put on a show at the World Junior Summer Showcase that's uh, last week in the United States. So there's three prospects that absolutely lit it up and might be featured on their respective country's teams. So he's going to tell me all about those three guys and how well they performed. And you're going to have to check it out tomorrow to know which three guys I'm talking about. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.